We are uh, the third Sunday in a series about community. And if, if you weren't here over the past couple of uh, Sundays, uh, we've been talking about community, what community is, uh, the importance of community, and, and God's example of community in God, Father, Son, and Spirit together as one. And we're going to continue to talk about the, that today, uh, the community of the church and why that is important and where that comes from and what God has to say about it. Uh, one thing that, that we did as a community a few weeks ago was uh, a series called It's Not Easy Being Green. And it was an environmental series talking about why God thinks what he created is important. Um, kind of ironic. But, uh, yeah, why he thinks, you know, this world that he created is important and what we should do about that. And on the back table uh, back there by Debbie, um, there are uh, some green water bottles. Uh, if you didn't get one, we encourage you to take one. If you want to take one to somebody at work, do that. Uh, we had someone take, uh, I think she took like six bottles to this massage place that she goes to because uh, they were really impressed that we were doing a series on the environment and they don't go to church. And she thought it was kind of a cool way to, you know, say, hey, look what our church is doing and stuff. So if you have a deal like that, take them. You know, we got plenty of those. Next to those are uh, shopping bags. We talked about the reusable shop- shopping bags uh, during that series. And uh, there's one for fa- every family gets one for free. Um, but uh, it, it's going to take more than one, probably, if you're uh, a family of any size and if you have kids, and especially boys, it's going to take like 30. Um, they're actually very big bags, and so we are going to sell them also at $2 a piece. And we encourage you to, to do that. Stacy Smith, who is uh, Daryl's uh, wife and, and runs the show around here, um, took six of them. They bought six of them, or they bought five, I guess. And so she used them this past week for the first time. And uh, she goes, I have a testimony. And I was like, oh, great. She goes, the bags are wonderful. I was like, okay. Um, You know, I thought you brought somebody to Christ. But no, but it's a step, um, you know, because she showed to people at the store, you know. uh, But she said it was great that it was much easier than using the plastic bags at the store uh, to carry stuff in with. And six bags is enough for their family of five. Um, That was a lot of bags. but uh, And she said that one of her sons, Nathan, was with her. Um, he is five and uh, was able to have fun with the bags during, you know, the shopping trip. He put them around his neck like a cape and walked around the store, you know, I'm Captain Reusable Bag or something. I don't know. Um, so just a thought in case you want to do that. Thanks for that, Ben. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, please see Debbie about those after uh, the service also. Get that out of the way. G- if you've got your text with you, your Bible with you, open up to John chapter 14. This is something that uh, we've used in here before, and it's something that we actually used a few series ago, but it pertains to today in a different way. Verse 1, chapter 14, Jesus says this, Don't be troubled. You trust God, not trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's home, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would have told you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going and how to get there. Jesus says, in my father's house, my father's house, there are many rooms. You can see that a few different ways. But one of the ways I think that you can see this and take the scripture pertains to community. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think Jesus came when he did? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought, why did Jesus come when Jesus came? You know, one the calendar goes off his birth. It was just year one. Why did he choose then? 
What was it about society then? I mean, was it that God finally got, you know, we know why Jesus came. The Bible tells us so. We know why he came, to, to save. He came to be the sacrifice, to be slain so that we might be cleansed of all of our sins and that we might find eternal life through his blood. But why then? Had things gotten to a point in the world where God goes, okay, enough's enough. Jesus, get down there and take care of all this. We're we're things so bad in the world. I mean, look at now. Why hasn't he come back? Maybe it was because people were so ready for him then. At at that time, the, the people were so dedicated to God. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were so dedicated to God and pursuing God and trying to live their life in a godly manner. They were ready for Jesus to come. They were ready for the Messiah. They were like, bring it on. We are so ready right now, God. Send him. Maybe it was a time when people were so ripe and ready that God said, ooh, now you're ready. But, but why Israel? I mean, what, it's a tiny nation. In the grand scheme of the ancient world, you look at Egypt and Ethiopia and Assyria and all those, all those different things that surrounded it. Why this small nation of Israel? Well, yes, the prophet said that this is where he would come from. This is where, well, God could have told the prophet something different, right? Why Israel? If you look at a map of the ancient world or the world at that time, Israel was the hub of the world, basically. Israel was in the center of the world where if you wanted to go somewhere and to cross, you, you had to go through Israel. If you wanted to, if you were in Egypt and you had to get to Assyria and you were on a travel route and a trade route and all that stuff, you had to go through Israel. If you were going back to Ethiopia, you had to go through Israel. The world crossed through Israel. What an amazingly perfect spot for the Son of God to come and to begin his message and ministry. At a place where the entire world would come together so that the message would spread out. God's not stupid. Strategery. Right there in Israel. But why Galilee? Yeah, okay, Israel, okay, I can get behind Israel. It's a great networking spot. But Jerusalem, I mean, come on, it's the temple, it's the city, it's where the king is. Why Galilee? Little bitty. Who's ever heard of Galilee? Well, one thing is that Galilee was kind of the it place for rabbis to be from. It's just kind of, it is, I mean, of the top rabbis of the day, like six of them came from the Galilee region. If, if you had, David says it this way, which makes me laugh. If you had little rabbi trading cards, you know, little 10, 11 year old boys sitting around trading rabbi training cards. I'll trade you a Gimliel for a Jesus. You know, um, only his rookie card, though. You know, if they're sitting around, you know, you look at the back of their stats, the best ones are going to come from the Red Sox, uh, Galilee. Are going to come from the Galilee region. You know, that was one of the things. So maybe that was part of it, that it was a great training ground. It was a great place for these, for these men to be taught and to come out and to teach themselves. So, so maybe that was it. But I, I think it goes to this John 14 also. In my father's house are many rooms. That meant something. That meant something to Jesus, and it meant something to the people of Galilee. When he said that, they got it. They understood. It was about community and family. See, Galilee was a little different than the rest of the world. 
Galilee was a lot different than the rest of the world. The Greek world at the time was very segregated. It was every person for themselves. You know, if you, if you have the money and if you have the skills and you're going to rise to the top, and who cares who you step on to get there? Aristotle had written years before, if a child is born with a disability, cast them aside. Do not raise them because they're not worth it. And that was a practice. If a child was born with some sort of deformity, they would be cast aside and not raised. If somebody became sick or ill or any kind of disability during the course of their life, they would be cast aside because they were no longer useful to society or your purposes. That was the Greek world. Now, in Jerusalem, it was a little different. They weren't that extreme. They loved and they cared for one another. They, they surrounded in the temple and you could go get help and things like that. But they were still segregated in their, little, in their little pockets. You each lived in your own home. My family lived over here. Yours lived over there. We stayed out of each other's business. We'd come together and worship God at the temple. But it wasn't the same thing. Galilee took it another step. You see, in Galilee, people lived together. And when I say people lived together, I mean... 160, 300 people would live together under one roof. Think of that. These things called insulas is what it was. As people came together and lived together, families would live together. Your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters, all of their spouses, all of their relatives, everybody would come together and live under one roof. I mean, of course, it would be a big house with many different rooms. You see Jesus' picture there. In my Father's house are many rooms, and one of them's for you. In my Father's house, it's a family, the family of God. There's a place for you. Come live with us in my house, in my Father's house. See, under this roof, everyone was together. Everybody worked together. Everybody lived together. Everybody, if somebody was sick, the family surrounded them and took care of them. If somebody was in trouble, the family surrounded them and protected them and guided them. If somebody was hungry, the family surrounded them and fed them. Oftentimes, you would all have the same occupation. You would all be carpenters or tent makers or tanners. You would all do something together. It was, I mean, it was like the mafia of the time. The family was all the family. And everything surrounded them. That's what Jesus grew up in. He grew up in the family. A family of people under one roof. There's that great story of Jesus getting away from his parents. You remember when Jesus is a kid, there's not much about Jesus as a child in the text. But there's one story when Jesus is gone. Mary and Joseph are like, oh my gosh, where's Jesus? And they go back and they find him in the temple. Remember, And he's like, you know, teaching at the age of 12. David says, have you ever wanted to call CPS on Mary and Joseph? I mean, like, how do you lose your 12-year-old boy? You're like miles and miles away from Jerusalem, and there he's back in the temple. Let's call in some protective services. But if you think about it, it was kind of like easy for that to happen because they lived in a large community, in a large family, and they were thinking, well, he's probably with one of his cousins or one of his aunts and uncles. He's probably at the back of the train you know what, you know Jesus, he's always showing people, hey, watch this, I can walk on water. I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you have done that if you were Jesus as a boy? I mean, come on. 
always won the race, but um, the last shall be first. The last shall be first. Uh, you know, so, I mean, who knows? They could have th- been thinking, no telling where he is. And they get to a rest stop. They pull over, the whole family, 160 of them come back together, and they can't find him, and they have to go back. But it was a thing where everyone, you lived together, you ate together, you breathed together. I mean, you, you were in each other's business, but in a good way. It was this beautiful community, and that's what you, the picture he's painting here. You know, one day we will all live together in my father's house, and there's a room for you there, and we'll be together on this one roof, and there will be no more sickness and no more disease and no more war, no more hunger. It will be amazing. I'm preparing a place for you. You think he went... You think Jesus came to Galilee and came from Galilee so that we, the church, could see something? I think everything Jesus did taught us. Everything he said and everything he did was a lesson for us to live our lives more like him. And maybe this was for the church. This is the way I want you to operate. You're a family. If someone is down, you lift them up someone needs correcting, you correct them. If someone needs food, you feed them. If they need clothing, you clothe them. You're a family. That's what families do. If somebody needs help in any way, you help them. You love them. You cherish them. You support them. You're a family. You're under the same roof, my roof. That's what you do. If you look in Acts chapter 2, when they're starting the church and the church begins, what does it say they do? everything together. They're together. They're sharing meals together. They're worshiping God together. They're studying together. They pool the resources. If somebody has need, they take care of it. They set up this community, this insula, this family. If you're part of the family, you're taken care of. If you need something, we'll be there. That's what the church should be. That's what the body of Christ should be. That's how we should function and operate. A lot of times, we don't know the person sitting next to us. A lot of times, we come here, we see faces, but we don't really know people. We don't, we don't have that familial aspect. There's a, uh, a woman in here right now. Her, her name is Marianne DeSabado, and she is in charge of our community care ministry. And basically, her, she's a volunteer. Basically, her job is to orchestrate this. Her job is to care, hence the community care thing. If somebody has a baby, she organizes food for those people. If somebody is hurt or sick or something, she will send them a letter, and she has some volunteers of people that do this also. We had a meeting not too long ago of the New Heights leadership, and she said, I I really want to care for people, but I don't know who to care for. I got to assume that people are sick. I know babies are being born because I see them, but we just, uh, we don't know. And we talked for a while. How do we find out? I mean, we don't want to be in your business. We don't want to find out the dirty, dark secrets that you don't want us to know. But here's the thing. If you're hurting, we just want to listen. We want to be there. We want to pray for you. We don't need to know what is going on. We don't need to know a single detail about what's going on. You can just say, you know what? I'm hurting right now. Okay. 
Let me pray for you. Do you need anything? Do you need, I mean, is it hard to get dinner together? I mean, do you need something like that? Or, or somebody, when we were going through all this stuff with grace, he came up to me in more than one occasion and said, you know what? I can't do a lot of things, but I can scoop dog do. She wanted just to come over and pick up dog do. I got a big chocolate lab. That's a big task. But it's something like that. You know, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to know what's going on. I don't have to come into your house and to get up in your face and to say, let's have a prayer vigil right here in your room. I don't need, what can I do? We're together. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. How can I care for you? What do you need me to do to care for you? Sometimes it is right there in your house. Let me sit with you and pray with you and be with you for five hours. Just to, I will sit there and do nothing but listen. Praise God, there are people that are gifted in that realm. (laughs) It's not me. If you're sick and you need somebody to come to the hospital, we have people that want to do that. Come to you, say, hey, we don't know what kind of surgery you're having or whatever's going on, and we don't need to know, but can I pray for you? Just know that we're here. If you need anything done, if you need your yard mowed, let me know. If you need somebody to take care of your mail or your paper, let me know. We'll do that. Because that's what families do. They surround one another and they support one another. That's what they did in Galilee. That's what Jesus set up for the model of the church. This is what you do. You take care of one another. As I love you, so you should love one another. In the darkest of times and in the greatest of times. Be my arms, be my feet. That's what this is all about. In 1999, when New Heights was created and started, it was started under the assumption that some people were not getting reached. Some people weren't getting the message of Christ because they were intimidated to go to the sanctuary. Because they they just didn't feel right or, or for whatever reason, that just wasn't for them. And we started it under the assumption. I was here back then when we started it. And we started it under the assumption that we would be a family. That we would be different, that people would know one another, that we would spend time together, that we would surround one another like the Acts 2 church did. If somebody has need, we're going to be there. If somebody has a baby, and we're going to rejoice with them and say, yeah, rock on, and we're going to help you raise that child. A little cultish, some of you might think. But that's what God set up. And since 1999, we've had good moments where we are right on track with that. And then we've had moments where we had no clues to what we were doing. And we've been constantly reevaluating. Who are we? How do we fit into the larger church? Are we a church within a church? Or are we just a worship, are we a worship service? What are we? And we constantly have to reevaluate that and look at that. The thing is, the original mission has never changed. To be the body of Christ. To reach people who aren't being reached. To surround people. To offer a community that loves Christ and loves one another. And if you need help, we're going to be there. Here's what I ask of you. Let's try that. I don't need to know all your business. I don't want to know all your business. I really, I was going to say I really don't care. I do, but not on the you know, detail level. If I can help you, let me know. If we can just write a letter to you and say, 
you know, you, you had a spouse die or you had a, a father or a parent die or, or someone, a cousin die, you know, four months out. Wouldn't it nice to be get a letter and, and know that people still care? Because the pain doesn't stop three weeks out. The pain continues, and, and sometimes you need that support for a while. We want to be that. We have people, volunteers, that are just ready, willing, and able, going, come on, let me love you. Let me tell you, Marianne DeSabato has a great, kind, generous heart. When you get to know her, she will talk your ear off. She's one of those people that you can sit with and will be your friend instantly. She wants to do that. We have people that love to cook, and if you have a baby or you have something going on in a tough time, they want to bring you meals. There's a person that walks around here that likes apparently to pick up dog dew. It's things like that. God created this community to be a family. That's all we ask. You know, the cool thing about, I don't know if David chose this topic on the first Sunday because it was communion Sunday or not, or if it just happened and God goes, hey, this will be cool because guess what? This is part of being a family. It's having a meal together. It's having supper together, the Lord's Supper. So it's pretty cool that on a day we talk about the family of God and coming together and, and being together in worship and in spirit and, and study and learning and caring and loving. And it's also coming together to God's table. If you're helping with communion, I would ask that you would come forward right now. You know, communion is such a wonderfully powerful thing if you get it. If you're just coming up, going through the motions sometimes, it's just going through the motions. I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and communion was um, more regularly than we do it here. And, and a lot of times I would just come up and get communion and go away, and, and it never affected me, and I never felt anything because I didn't get it. I, I didn't see the beauty of what was happening, of, of becoming one with Christ Christ's body and blood, and not just me, myself, coming to his table, but the family of God together coming forward and saying, we're one. What unites us is Jesus Christ, his blood and his body, the sacrifice that he made for us. We are one church. We are one family and one body. It was the night so many years ago that he was sitting with his disciples, and he was giving us the model of community, a family of insula. They were his family. Together they were sitting, and they were celebrating the Passover like they had done for a few years. And at the appropriate time, he took the bread, and he raised it, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it. And he said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper, he took the cup, and he raised it to God, and he gave thanks. And he said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the model of family that you set before us. For the gift of family that you set before us. For those of us that didn't have a family or had a bad family experience, we can find peace and love and support through your family and in your house. 
Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice and the gift of life that you give us through your Son, Jesus Christ. His table that we come to this morning. As we think of the holy mystery that Christ died, Christ is risen and Christ will come again. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would come upon us and make these for us the true body and blood of Christ. And that as we accept them and take part in this wonderful mystery and blessing, that we would know you more, that our relationship with you would be stronger, and that our love for one another would be changed forever. In Jesus Christ's holy and precious name.